I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is the Best Hang Podcast featuring Max Kerman, Shane Cunningham, and I am Mike Bierman. Here's a secret, you can pass it around. Here's a secret, you can pass it around. My head in the clouds, and two feet on the ground. Here's a secret, you can pass it around. All right. Welcome to the Best Hang Podcast. Podcast. I'm Mike. We got Max. We got Shane. And we are here with another episode of hopefully your favorite podcast if you're listening or one of your favorite podcasts. Uh, lots has been going on. We got lots of stories coming up. But to start the uh, the pod, we're just going to open the floor uh, to our good friend and co-host Shane Cunningham. Jeez, uh, I've been dreading this for a long time, kind of avoiding it because my good friend, Bert Van Leerop, unfortunately passed away and he was... You know, he was in his 80s, so it wasn't completely unexpected. He had Parkinson's. He had complications from that. But, uh, yeah, I uh, I found out from a friend of his, because uh, I wasn't very close with his family, but he passed away on December 11th. He still hasn't had his celebration of life, but I'm planning on going to that when that is announced. But anyway... Yeah, like um, maybe give the listeners like some context for who Bert was, like creatively. Very unique character in your life and in our life, in a way. Totally, he sort of ended up being part of ours. Yeah, so you know, uh, Bert came along at a weird point in my life. Uh, I was 22 years old. I had no job, no girlfriend, no driver's license, no idea what I was going to do with my life. I knew what I wanted to do with my life, and this was at a point where. you know, your brother and you were starting the band. Oh, yeah, Everyone yeah. seemed like they had something cooking. My other friends were going to college. And I was just like, I'm never going to make it happen. I don't know how it's going to come together for me. And my parents, who are are very great, they weren't exactly worried that I might not make anything of myself. So I really had no external motivation. It was all up to me. I felt very alone. And then one day I met this man at a Tim Hortons and he was very kind. He had a Dutch accent. I found him unintentionally funny. I found him (laughs) intentionally funny. Um, 
And he just, I was, I was in Burlington at a time. I just did my last day at a landscaping job. Mm. I was in Burlington. And I was about to take the bus back. And, he and said, for our listeners, busing from Burlington to Hamilton is a royal pain in the ass. Oh, it man. is. Yes. It is way too long. And there's like, you know, one route and it sucks. So after talking to this man, we separated and then I just, you know, sat at the bus stop. But then he pulled up to the bus stop and he says, want a lift? <laughs> I was like, I think he's not going to kill me. He could be a serial killer, but fuck it. I just, I hate the commute the that much. So bad. I'm going to get into this car. And, we and he's got, older. You could probably take him if it came to that. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, um, yeah. But we get talking about what I want to do for a living. I tell him I have this chance to potentially get a short film on television. I need a police chief. I will, I'd like someone who's preferably older. Any chance you've ever thought about acting? Bert? He's a handsome man too. Oh yeah, he he's almost handsome. looks like an actor. He did look like an. He's very tan. Uh, he was in good shape. Uh, and I asked him if he ever thought about acting. He's like all the time. <laughs> <laughs> like he just right away he was just down to do it. And he's like, if we're going to do this, we have to do it right. So. He wanted the script to be sent to him immediately. He wanted to pick up every prop. He drove me everywhere. Um, before I know it, he's on set. He's killing it. Like, he's the star of this cop film. <laughs> I ended up doing another film with him called Teen Wolf 3. Uh, at this point, we become Which is exactly like, what it sounds like. Yes. A, an un, yes. Uh, sanctioned sequel to the first two uh, exactly. official That's Teen Wolf That's the way to, to word it. Uh, we ended up working for HGTV from there. We became business partners, friends. We went on like uh, MTV. He, I got to meet Quentin Tarantino. We entered a contest when Inglorious Bastards was coming out. And we had a dressing room beside Quentin Tarantino. And then all of a sudden, Bert's on MTV for a three-month stint. They hired him. To play Samuel L. Jackson in <laughs> an, a recurring role on MTV as like this skit where Bert is just Samuel Jackson. There was a time where Bert, he hadn't talked to his brother in like 20 years. He, he had 10 siblings, but there was this one brother he was estranged from. So we went on a Nebraska. If anyone's seen this movie with Will Forte, Alexander Payne directed it. Uh, we went on an adventure like that where we just were looking for Bert's estranged brother. It was three days, I think it took us, but we found him <laughs> at a bar. In Hamilton? And, no, it was like a four-hour drive away. Bert and I got a hotel. I remember <laughs> we saw the movie Capote at the time, so whatever. <laughs> uh, and then we found his brother at a bar. Like, we knew his brother was a bit of a bar hound or whatever, and then we found him, and then they just had this quick interaction. Bert slipped him some cash, and then we just rode away. And I was like, that was it? That was all this time? <laughs> it was like that quick interaction he's like that was all i needed yeah. <laughs> and it was just like so realistic because if it was a movie it would be like fireworks and emotions and hugs and tears but it was like that's all bert bert just wanted to see him and give him some cash that was it anyway <clears throat> yeah no one has changed my life the way bert has i don't think i'd be here without him and it's just um you know, I was dreading it, him dying. And when you have a friend who's uh, 45 years older, <laughs> you, know, you know he's going to die. But I was always thinking. You've been on the clock. Yeah, I was like, fuck, I'm really like oh, dreading man. this. And uh, we shot a Netflix, a documentary that ended up on Netflix where Bert is doing stand-up comedy. Like Mark Myers directed it. And it's just, Bert's always 
the star. Like I always he started wanted, in San Sebastian videos. Started in a San Sebastian right. video. Yeah, he, he stole the he video. He did man. fucking everything. And like he did so much from 65 to 80. It's insane. But he did so much from zero to 65. Like back, uh, like Bert is from the Netherlands, and he was like a race car driver. He was a basketball TV announcer. He did like he was so like a crazy. gymnast. Like Bert did everything. He did everything well. He was the head of major construction. He was the most perfectionistic person I've ever met. Anything I did, he was like, you got to do it perfect. And I'm just like, I, I uh, apply that to my life. Like when, you know, we're shooting all this yeah. bullshit right now and it's yeah. so stupid what we're shooting or we're taking it so seriously and every detail matters and it still might not end up great, but we're trying so fucking hard. And that's what like Bert really instilled in me. And, you know, Bert taught me how to drive. Like my parents never taught me how to drive. Bert taught me how to drive a car and not like he's European. So he taught me how to drive a stick shift. <laughs> so, and I, he bought me the car. Like I gave him the money, but I was so helpless. I didn't even know how to purchase a vehicle. And he just showed up at my house with a stick shift. We go to a parking lot. He drives his very nice car to the parking lot. No, he first, he drove the stick shift car to the parking lot. Then he drove me and him in his very nice car. It was actually a very nice Jeep to a parking lot. And the first thing I did was crash into his car. His very nice <laughs> oh my car. God. Like my dad would kill me. It would be terrifying. But Bert just laughed. Wow. He just thought it was hilarious and endearing that that was my very first attempt at driving was smashing into his car. But that's just how Bert was. Um, and yeah, I, it's... It's like one of those one in a million type people that change your life. And yeah. Yeah. I, I think a lot sometimes from his perspective, like obviously I've known, I've seen this journey in you with Bert, but I think a lot about, like you said, he had this extraordinary life before you guys even met, but he was so much older, you know, like he was born yeah. in his sixties or something when he met you. And it's like, you gave him this sort of, this amazing sort of decade of experiences where he's mm -hmm. on MTV all of a sudden. And he's, it's like, think about from his perspective, like the fact that you two met, you both got so much and enriched each other's lives and just basically had all these experiences that never would have happened if you guys don't sort of come yeah. together. Like another stupid thing we did, like I got a Michael J. Fox tattoo, <laughs> my right arm. And I was like a little nervous. Cause this was back in the day when tattoos weren't as normal. And, uh, I was like, ah, is this stupid if I get this huge portrait of Michael J. Fox? And Bert's like, I'll do it too. I was like, no, don't do that. He's like, well, what's something funny I could get? I was like, I don't know. What We got a tattoo of yourself. And he's like, okay, what would I be doing? I'm like, maybe you're wearing a Motley Crue t-shirt, smoking a cigarette. He's like, I'll do that. And I was like, I don't know. Anyway, we went through a bunch of iterations of what he could get. He ends up getting himself, giving a thumbs up, smiling. Wearing a Snatch TV t-shirt, which was the name of our production company. And just the idea that he's in a coffin at some point. I guess they they burned him up. But I mean, like, the fact that he was wearing like or having that Snatch TV thing when he died is just so And he had know, a wife and, and family, right? Like, yeah, he had yeah. a wife and family. And um, his wife, Anya, was so nice and also so nice to Also in the San me. Sebastian video. If you guys want yes. to see Bert yeah, do some great work, it. you could go on YouTube and you can find all these things Shane talked about. Team Wolf 3 still up. Team Wolf uh, 3 still is up. And Bert was so proud of all of his film work. Uh, he did quite a lot of it. All of his MTV appearances are on B. Van Leerup short films. All one word. You can... Facebook Van Leerup. Uh, V-A-N-L-I-E-R-O-P. Cool. He, yeah, like he's in that San Seb video where... Anya is her name? Annika? 
Anya? Yeah, Anya. That's his wife. She's yeah. in the opening in the end. Mm-hmm. She's really good in it too. Yeah. And uh, and then Delivery, which she did with Mark, where Bert is one of the stars of mm-hmm. a, a movie that is on Crave right now. Yeah. You know, so if you have Crave, you can go watch Delivery starring Shane and Mark Myers, director of Dessert and many Arkell's videos. And Bert, you know, who's yeah. a big part of that movie. Yeah, it was, you know, obviously the weirdest relationship ever. A lot of people couldn't understand it. They, people thought there were rumors. Yes, there was the definitely so many rumors, even within his family. It was like, I'm using Bert. Bert's using me. But we both knew we were just like perfect friends, business partners, everything. He was like a father figure to me, a best friend. And, uh, you know, he showed me how to do things. I showed him how to do things and hmm. just really good. Yeah, man. I did not think I was going to cry. Mm. No, man. It's, I, it's it, even though, yeah, he was older, it's still shocking because I think of how impactful he was on your life and then sort of uh, by extension our lives just because he's been around and he's, he's been one of these guys. And I, I, I knew all that stuff. So I don't think that this is, you know, I, I remember you telling me that that stick shift story, I think yeah. he also had a date coming up. So it was almost like he was helping you learn yes. to drive so you could pick up the date in the car, which always really I didn't want to tell my potential date because I found that very embarrassing as a yeah. man, grown man. So, uh, yeah, Bert taught me for my date. So we had a deadline and, you know, I stalled the car out on the date, but I still got me in the date to the movie. Yeah. And yeah. That, yeah. I remember you saying that, like, <laughs> you, you really didn't know how to do the stick shift on the date. So it was just this uncomfortable. <laughs> Yeah, the awkwardness of that. Oh yeah, and at one point I was having terrible insomnia, and I never really smoked weed. And Bert obviously had never smoked weed, so he found a way to buy weed, <laughs> and we like smoked it together to see if it would help me. Oh, oh my god, so that you guys just got high together. Yeah, and we we pulled this like stupid prank every time we'd get high in like this uh, <laughs> Tim Hortons parking lot, as like a lot of other kids were and stuff. And uh, so our prank was we'd pull up to the drive-through. I would go. Uh, they'd go, hey, can I have your order? I'd be like, hey, man, can I please have a blueberry muffin? Uh, and I'd say, a milk, 2%, please. And uh, maybe like a sprinkle vanilla donut. So, and then I would hop in the back and then Bert would pull up to pick up the food items. And uh, like, hello. And the guy would like look up. It's like, was that you just ordered? I'd be like, yes. And the guy would be like, okay, here's your milk. And then Bert would be like, took you long enough. What were you milking the cow? And he just had all this, like he just came up with that on the spot. But anyways, we'd laugh so hard and we would just do stupid shit like that all the time. Not even film it, you know, just for our own entertainment. That's, he was a character. That is amazing. You know, um, so reminding me of a link that you just sent this morning. I haven't had a chance to read it, but it's about Willem Dafoe. Is that what? He gives an interview. Oh my God, he, 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 I always he, thought Bert looked like Willem Dafoe, too. That's, yeah. So we just, Mike sent an article in The Guardian as an interview with Willem yeah. Dafoe, and he's 82. And I only read like a little excerpt about how he, he doesn't feel particularly old, um, but all of his friends keep dying because they're you know, that age. And I was at a friend's funeral for grandpa who just passed away. And someone said uh, a quote that I loved. It was like, there's an expression. It's like, it's best to die young as late as possible. And it sounds like, which is a great expression. And it sounds like Bert, wow. like Bert was up for fun. Oh, you yeah. Know, like, you know, like, because there's nothing worse than like a cranky, sleepy old bastard, you know, like, oh, that's he was what I aspired like that, yeah. to. You know, just be that old dude who's still like doing the drive through hijinks. You know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. the fact that he wanted and the fact that you offered that sense of fun to him is so special. And, and I think all old people like need a little bit of mischief in their life and a little bit of adventure. And uh, oh, totally. I, yeah. One time I mentioned that I was thinking it could be fun to go skydiving. 
So next time Bert and I were supposed to go to the gym because we were workout partners too. And Bert ended up getting like a 12 pack, by the way. He was insanely <laughs> good at working out. Uh, so instead of going to the gym, Bert takes us to a skydiving range. Oh my and God. this was back in the day where you could do skydiving without the person attached to you. Like your first time, you could just jump out of a plane, you solo. Uh, you have to do a four hour course though to learn how to do it. So I'm like, Bert, oh my God, like I, I needed to mentally prepare for this. He's like, let's do it. You only live once. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I do a four hour course to learn how to skydive. We both get up in the plane. I'm shitting my pants. Bert paid to have it videotaped everything. Bert jumps out the plane first, <laughs> fucking does it. And then the guy's like, you're next. I go, I can't do it. I just can't do it. <laughs> and then just my logic was, I'm like, if he dies, he's lived a whole life. Like, it doesn't matter if I die. I'm a young man. I'm in like early 20s. Like, I can't die. So that was how I justified So you just went down? You just landed with yeah, the plane? We, you know, it still had to pay for it and everything. But Bert was just obviously totally cool that Bert did a perfect landing. Because Bert could just like learn this shit. And uh, yeah, did, he did was you, just, that's how he was. Do you look back and think like, God, I had so much free time. Like, you have no free time in your life anymore more to do anything yes. and you're like yeah i guess it was just like i could casually take five hours off and just on any given day and just yeah. go skydiving if yeah, someone like, uh, surprised me with it do but, you think when you get to like your mid-60s that you will be a mentor to a young person like this you know your your daughter's be older so. you, I, i'm too worried about the public perception of it all i right. would like bert just knew he wasn't a creep he didn't give a shit he's like listen i had i have three daughters he's like i always wanted a son like that type of figure yeah. he, he's always say you're the son i always wanted and i say you're the dad i never asked for or something like we, <laughs> we had this like, weird routine we do yeah. that oh, but man. yeah it was an interesting uh very interesting relationship you know we would also fight like cats and dogs too we'd have like real arguments that you wouldn't picture two people because you think i'd be like gentler with him because he's older or like he'd be but we would like one time we got in a fight and he pulled off to the side of the road and said, get out. And he hopped out in 1930s style, held up his dukes. <laughs> and he actually wanted to fight me. But it was so silly that we just started laughing eventually because we knew. But it was honestly, he, I think he even took a swing at me. Oh, it was just crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. Like you could do a Nebraska-esque movie about Bert and I's relationship. The more I've been thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, actually more went on in our relationship than even went on in that movie. Oh, there's in Nebraska. so much to mine yeah. from if you made that movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's so vivid the way you're describing all of it. You should write a movie. Yeah. Write yeah. That. And I'm very thankful by the way, to the construction worker who Bert worked with, cause he was the head of major construction. Bert was, uh, because I would have never even known he passed. Uh, have you not been in touch? Well, because Anya, his wife, I was very close with, and we had a very friendly relationship, but his daughters were kind of like, you know, wondering, or is somebody using each other or whatever? So we never had that relationship mm. where they would tell me. Mm. So I would have never found out and I would be devastated if I missed his celebration of life. But it, that is happening this month. And thank you to that construction worker who did reach out and contact me. Oh, wow. Beautiful. But yeah, that's that story. Right, I didn't mean to cry. I didn't mean to take up no, so much time. In oh my, my mind, goodness. it went a lot smoother than that. But No, that was yeah. beautifully put. That's an, uh, an amazing way to remember somebody so special. It's a life worth remembering and yeah. a story worth telling. And I'm glad we took the time, man. Yeah, thank you. R.I.P. Bert. What it tells about Willem Dafoe, Any, so I don't have to read the article. Anything good? Uh, it's just like a good old feature where he's sitting there and he's, you know, he's kind of doing a Zoom and he just starts talking about his approach to, to sort of like filmmaking. And so he was like a real theater guy in the late 70s. And it was like they were artists and they were struggling. Mm. 
struggling mm-hmm. and romanticize that time. But he just talks about, you know, what it's like to then make money or, you know, not saying the word selling out, but what that looks like going forward and his thoughts on it, the state of the cinema. Mm. Um, and then he gets kind of philosophical about growing up. Did you read it, Ash? You're nodding your head a little bit. Okay. It, so, and then he just starts sort of talking about, you know, like you said, that part, Max, where he's like, you know, I, I'm getting old, but I didn't really realize, you know, it's like I, I hear somebody I worked with died. Mm. I'm like, what happened? I'm like, oh, right. They're 82 years old. They're 83 years old. That's what happens. And, and yeah, he just kind of talked about his outlook on things and what he cared about and how he, it ends with him saying, because he's going to be the new Tim Burton, uh, Beetlejuice movie. And I guess he let, he's the, not playing Beetlejuice. <laughs> no, 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 no. He's playing like a undead detective that I guess he let slip accidentally. Mm. And so the reporter, this person from the guardian brings it up and he's like, Oh, he's like, I fucked up. He's like, I wish you, he's like, I, I knew I shouldn't have said it. Cause Tim Burton seems like the sort of guy that doesn't want info about his movie out. Mm-hmm. He's like, so I fucked up, but you know what? Life's short, whatever. And he just kind of kept it moving. And just a sort of outlook on how he approaches his art and all that stuff was really, uh, it was really good, but it's worth the read. Another article I want to recommend is about Scott Frank, uh, who is Hollywood's uh, most decorated script doctor. It's in the New Yorker. It's written by my favorite journalist, Patrick Radden Keefe. <laughs> and for those of you who don't know, a script doctor is somebody who the studio hires after a script has already been submitted to fix the script, to make sure that the characters are more vivid and the story makes more sense. So he's the guy responsible for saving and rewriting Saving Private Ryan and The Ring. He also wrote The Queen's Gambit. He directs, he oh, produces wow. other people's work. And um, it's a, uh, it's really uh, an amazing story about a guy with a, a kind of a particular skill. But what I took from it there's a few different parts uh, in the article specifically he um, he likes to work on like 20 different things at once he has like a folder with like all my projects so I'm like okay I identify with that and how he can hop around from one to the next um, he also after Queen's Gambit which keep in mind it was like the biz, big, big, biggest success on Netflix like during the pandemic his next script that he took off got passed on by everyone in Hollywood. Wow. So it's like e- even the guy who's the top dog who gets paid $300,000 a week to rewrite people's scripts, uh, he gets told no. And the last thing is that in the article, uh, he's working on an opera based on the music of the killers with Brandon mm. Flowers and um, one of the guys from Hamilton, the musical. And it's about wow. like a fictional las vegas like town like the beginnings of a of, and it's, the place is called Dustland, and so he's working on it and he says to the writer he goes uh, he says to the journalist who's writing the piece he's like i had no idea how to write an opera i literally googled how to write libretto <laughs> but isn't this so fun and i, I just it was like for a guy who's so accomplished in the field of writing to go i'm just gonna google it how, that's okay let's start there and i thought that was very cool if he can pull that opera off yeah that'll be amazing right because it feels like you couldn't help but laughing if it's like it started out with a kiss, like you, you know. <laughs> I, it's oh, an opera. I know. I think it's an, an opera. opera. Yeah, I think it's yeah. an opera. If you can pull that off, that'd be amazing. Yeah, I guess I, I wonder how much like musical license they're gonna take with those songs and how much they're gonna turn into an opera. I don't mm-hmm. know. And what's the story? They're going to tell. The story? But you know, so many killer songs are about Vegas. So there's like yeah. so Isn't many. Isn't there one about a robot or a spaceman? There's spaceman. But there's some Brandon Flowers solo songs that are like, welcome to fabulous, welcome to fabulous Las Vegas. Yeah, it's all about Vegas. So it's cool. Anyway, I recommend that piece. Yeah. Ooh, very cool. Okay, good one. Hey. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Speaking of places in America, mm-hmm. uh, we just came back from one. We, yes. as we teased in the last pod, uh, we are fresh back from Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. United States of America. Uh, what a trip! Yeah, the hell of a uh, hell of a trip. Uh, really, the trip of a lifetime. I, I mean, how many times did we just look at each other throughout the weekend yeah. and just go, "Man, this is this is what it's all about." It was so cool. So, of course, I was feeling. Uh, some pressure, a little bit of guilt uh, from other friends that would have also loved to be on the trip. Did you get any pushback? I got a little bit of pushback from from different corners of uh, my friend group. <laughs> who, Mike M? Uh, Mike M? Yeah, who? I'm trying to think of who no, would be the biggest. Well, no, I'll save that. Oh, okay. but but I but it's, but but what I would say is that you know Nick invited uh, Derek Hoffman, who's a dear friend of mine, and I introduced the two. He's a producer for Arkell stuff, and the first person I thought of uh, was Sean Dawson because Sean as I mentioned in the last pod, uh, is a huge 76ers fan. And he um, has loved the team for like eight years. So when Nick got the job there, it was a big deal. And as soon as I invited Sean, Sean goes, well, Mikey V's got to come too. Like, Bless that Mike, man. like Sean made made up a plus one for himself. And of course, Mikey V is the biggest Hoops fan that I know and would love uh, nothing more than this experience. Does that uh, hurt your feelings, Mike, that Max didn't come to that conclusion on his own? I see the logic, but I'm a little hurt. No, yeah. I feel like I'm going to pile on with the guys. I just had the greatest weekend of my life. I, I think, I think though that like there's, I try my best to be mindful because the reality is I could have a great time hanging out with kind of any one of my friends yeah. in any of these situations, but it's just, it's just a matter of like identifying which friend would I would appreciate the most. So for like the Raptors season opener, I was like, I got to take Mike because Mike has been drooling about this for the previous six months. Like, 100%. I got to hang my hat on more stuff. You got to hang your hat on more stuff. Cause, cause I'm I like Nathan you. Fielder, yeah. but like it seems he's so elusive. I got to start putting it on other stuff in yeah. your orbit. Yeah. Cause you're like third or fourth option for a lot of these basketball or other things but if it was like more specifically like yeah nathan fielder or some like weird comedy thing you'd be number one if it was a will forte yeah trip yeah would i be on that yeah you would be Ooh, yeah and it's also that thing where it's like you know you're saying like in your mind it's like oh like derek's going i'm going you don't want to overextend yeah. the invite so it's like it's just a plus one if it's just a plus one 
and it's Philadelphia 76ers that of course, Sean should be your plus mm-hmm. one. I would have been like, totally understand. Although when I was watching, you know, social media or something, seeing Sean, like, you know, in Philly, I would have been like, Ugh. but <laughs> I was so glad to uh, get, get, get the invite. And your musical too, Mike, yes. which was a key component. Yeah. Cause trip, Nick, I think right? also wanted to have a bit of a jam session cause he hasn't met as many Philadelphia musicians yet, but yet. after this weekend he did. Yeah. Um, guys can jump on d- different instruments and yeah, you know, just yeah. people who can play. Yeah. Um, music and so anyway but the funny part was and this kind of speaks to my like level of planning and sort of like uh aloofness is that we get off the plane we get in a car <laughs> and sean and mike think that we're going to uh to nick's place because nick was putting us up his family's out of town and then i and you know they have no sense of philadelphia geography i have a sense of where i'm going because i've been there and i know where the practice <laughs> facility is i go hey guys we're, we're going to see practice right now and sean and mike go what like yeah we're going to practice you know we landed at 10 15 practice starts at 11 so immediately like holy fuck it fucking like, went to another level right away. We're like, what? We're like, we're just going to the facility? And you were saying the facility, it was in New Jersey? Yeah. Again, I just got in the, the car, I don't pay attention. So it was like, go on, yeah. Yeah, so anyway, so so we pull up and we see Jenny. And by the way, Jenny is Nick's executive assistant. She she came with him from Toronto and she is just- The best. The best. And immediately hooked us up with the 76ers gear, took us right to catering. We had some breakfast. And then we watched practice uh, from this sort of upper seating area. And it's, and media is allowed to come into the, at the end of practice, but I think only kind of close friends and family can kind of observe. Um, And to see Nick run a practice was such a, yeah, unique experience. And you appreciated the sort of um, presence that he has because Mm -hmm. he's not only, you know, running practice for the players, but he has a coaching staff of 16 members and he's making it all go. He has a DJ uh, in the gym playing tunes. The second the whistle blows, the DJ kills the music. Nick makes a speech. As soon as he blows the whistle back on, the DJ puts the music. DJ is like on point with the cues. It's like this effortless like production, and it keeps the rhythm of practice going. But also, Nick doesn't have to like yell over yeah. the, over the music. Well, what's incredible observing is like Nick's attention to detail. He would mm. be getting into drills. Like he'd have an assistant that was teaching a, a drill on one of these defensive things, and then Nick's like, "Let me get in there." And he's just so he's meticulous. And you can just tell the guys are locked in. And also the chemistry with that team mm-hmm. was really cool. Uh, uh, but then also this ability to keep it light and keep guys like, like you could just tell like the vibes are really, really Did good. you hear every word Nick is saying? Are you that close or is? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. he's just oh, sort of wow. yelling stuff and we're, we're hearing it. And the thing is, you know, Nick is such a, um, a student of it too. You know, he's read every book about coaching and leadership. And, you know, at the end of practice, he had like little prizes as a little thank you for staff that kind of went above and beyond, uh, like over, you the, know, holidays. over the holidays. Yeah. And, and you could just see the, the excitement the players had for the staff getting like a free pair of shoes or something like that. Yeah. So it was just like, just like those little moments during practice, you know, can really bring a group together and mm-hmm. you know he leaned in on that too but he also was like would get on guys if they need to go a little bit harder so we we saw practice we hung out his office met daryl morey and for our nba fans daryl morey is a celebrity like, he's like messiah philly yeah he's oh, wow. a very okay. famous executive yeah, he's the team president um and it was, it was great to see him and he and nick interact we also sat at catering with some assistant coaches one of them being george carl's son do you remember george carl of course yeah, the seattle super yeah, yeah. so his son kobe carl ended up having a conversation with with Mike for about like 25 minutes. It was kind of nuts. Cause we have this, there's this long table mm-hmm. and we're all sitting there eating lunch in like the facility. And it's like Nick's over here. There's a couple other like Canadians that came down on the coaching staff. So we're all kind of catching up some Philly guys. It was great. Um, and then, 
uh, Toby comes walking up and I kind of recognize him, but not fully. And uh, Botch, one of, uh, also a guy, Stony Creek, shout out Botch. He's one of Nick's assistants too, who came from uh, Toronto. He was like, hey, Kobe. He's like, he's got a podcast. Tell him about your podcast, Kobe. And then so Kobe just happens to be grabbing a, something from the drink fridge, which is by where I'm sitting. And then he sits right in front of me. And so when we start talking about podcasts, this is a podcast called, um, I'm going to look at it. It's curiosity and coaching or yeah, something. It's like, yeah. It's like the curious learner or something yeah. like that. I'll figure out what it is and, and circle back. But he, uh, and then, so we just kind of started chatting and I was kind of like, why do I recognize this guy? And he starts explaining how he had Steve Kerr and Phil Jackson on his podcast through like his playing days. I'm like, okay, I knew this guy was a pro and he played with Kobe Bryant and I'm starting to put it together. And then he mentioned, oh, my dad. And I was like, his dad's George Carl. It kind of clicked in. And then, so like without, you know, then I realized I was like, oh man, like I watched, I remember Kobe Carl, like when he was in the league, sort of in those, the 2008 Did he play season. In the league? Yeah, he, oh yeah. He was on the Lakers. Like he played Lakers. with okay. Kobe Bryant. And so then we just started talking. There were talking. two Kobe's on the Lakers. Yeah. There was, his, his name is spelled C-O-B-Y. Oh, okay. Uh, but Kobe Carl is like, led this interesting life. Cause his dad was the coach of those uh, Sonics teams with uh, Sean Kemp and, and Gary Payton. Gary Payton. Mm-hmm. And then the Milwaukee teams with, with Ray uh, Allen. Yeah. And Sam Cassell and Glenn Robinson. So it was just interesting interesting talking about him growing up, his group of friends, how they would go to the games, what his life was like as a teen. I was like, were you a rock star like in high school? Cause you know, you like obviously were good enough to play in the league, but then also you were, had this situation where your dad's an NBA coach, you know, and he was just so cool and open. And what happened was it was kind of the, the whole other table kind of did its own thing, right? Max, like you guys were having your own conversations mm-hmm. it was, and me and Kobe just kind of like locked in for like 25 minutes and basically did our own podcast without recording it where yeah, he's talking about his life and his kids and I'm talking about my kids and my life. And yeah, it was really, really great. And then at the end of it, we, I was kind of sad we had to go cause we had to kind of keep it moving, mm. but I kind of want to just keep chatting with uh, Kobe Carl. Well, the, a couple of things really stood out just from that part of the day because every, obviously Nick is Nick fucking nurse, head coach, NBA championship uh, under his belt. But Every other assistant coach has an interesting story. Like, yes. you know, a, one guy played uh, D1 at Villanova yes. and then played in Germany for eight years. And like, and now he's coaching with the 76ers. I'm like, okay, who has he been connected to? Who has he played against? You know, who are his friends? And you kind of go through each person who's had their own life in basketball that's really impressive. And you could have an hour long conversation with each but one of these is, people. Is it normal for just three random dudes to just show up at practice and start like <laughs> talking to everyone? Like um, how common is that? I this? don't know if it was that common, but I think Nick had prepped everybody because everybody who came up was like, oh, the band's here, the, band, the yeah. band's mm. here. So I think Nick must have And, and also the conversations were in like the cafeteria. Like they're right. all on their break at this point. So yeah. we're all like, you just kind of, you take it, you sit down, you know, like in high school or something and then you just start chatting with people. Yeah, the, uh, and also uh, I want to Give a shout out to the DJ. Played nothing but Arkells. That was there. oh my god. Well, one song starts playing, and Joel MB just putting up, you know, yeah. shots, and it's like, you know, you were all done up. That's <laughs> like, hilarious. You know, and then it's like, oh, and then another one, and then another. And Did there any was like, of the players say anything? No, bad night. Yeah, I saw Tyrus Maxi mouthing along. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the other thing, which is cool, is that I know in the NBA, it's like the the version that you see of the players is like what are they wearing as they're walking into the tunnel what is like the cool thing they're posting at their car on social mm-hmm. media or whatever um but it was so it was really cool to see the players interact in practice and just the way like you know who's laughing with who who's go who's who's practicing with who you get a real look at chemistry you get a real look at chemistry yeah. but beyond that um all the staff and and we talked about this afterward where it's like oh god I want to be part of an organization because everybody who's hired there is clearly a really like focused bright hardworking person because if you're a basketball lifer you're only getting a job with the 76ers if you were like 
the top guy in at like the high school or the college that you mm-hmm. were working or at. Super dedicated. Yeah, like every That's one of lives. those. Yeah, yeah, every one of those guys is like such a high achiever. Even if you're the fifteenth coach of a sixteen coach staff, right? Yeah. It's like you are. You were probably the best player at your high school. You're probably the only guy that got a D1 scholarship. You, you know, you were working, working, working. And I want to give a shout out to Botch. So John Carbaccio is a uh, Nick's sort of right hand guy. He's a video coordinator. Played Love with, was uh, with him in Toronto. He's from Stony Creek. He went to elementary school with Arkell's tour manager Eric Martin. So we have this sort of shared history with each other. And Botch has such a joy about him. And nothing is beneath. Um, botch and i mean that in the most complimentary way he is there to support nick because nick has the most high pressure job basically in that city mm-hmm. uh and whatever nick needs and it's like high level thinking stuff but also hey uh, botch can you grab some food like whatever it is can you help load in a little bit of the gear botch, yeah. got a coach got a coach got a coach and as a result though Having that attitude of being someone who the coach is unafraid to ask for anything has led him on the most amazing life journey himself because he has because Botch has all these great stories about the Raptors championship run. Yeah. So it was, it was amazing just to sort of see the inner workings and the relationships of, of a professional basketball team. And it made us all want to go, oh God, I want to be on a I want to work for I yeah. want to work for a Raptors. There's it was cool too because a lot of the Toronto people that came down, like the joint Nick staff that had been here, they all knew Greg, Greg Veerman. Oh wow! Because Greg had been. Oh, this is Greg Veerman's brother. His brother does open gyms, and so like right away, you know, like someone like Botch would be like, "Oh, Big G, Big G," you know, and like mm-hmm. there's just something really. I think all these people that grew up in team sports too just understand like vibes and sort of like. I don't know. There's something really welcoming and cool about uh, the environment there. Yeah, I think one of the other things that makes Nick so special is his um, his energy levels are so impressive. Like he doesn't really seem to get tired and he likes, I think, bouncing around, you know, from practice to, you know, he's he has, he has such a large group of friends. He was hosting us. Uh, you know, he's sort of kind of wheeling and dealing all day long in the best possible way, but just always so like locked in focused on, on the work. And, you know, on the game day, the following day, you know, we didn't see him all day. Like he left the house at seven 30. Uh, he actually is funny. He had offered, he was like, Hey, I only have the one car. Do one of you want to drive in with me? And then you guys can take the car for the rest of the day. And that's kind of a terrifying prospect. Yeah. Right. Just like going through Philly rush hour traffic and (laughs) crashing the coach's car. And all of us were like, no, thanks. It's okay. So we didn't, we just like slept in and, but then we didn't see him until we got to the arena. Well, we didn't see him until after the game. You're right. We basically, so from 7 30 AM to 11 30 PM when, when we came home with him, it's like, he was just working and locked in at the arena all day long. Are you guys eating at Nick's house? Like what do meals look like? Yeah. We ordered some pizza the night before we went out to into town. He, lives in a suburb and ate some breakfast and then we went into the arena for, for early because we yeah. wanted to kind of take it all in we got to watch courtside the, yeah. like the, the warm-up and we were in the friends and family suite which is fun because we got to see the players after the game come pick up like their wives and kids and see their cousins and brothers and stuff like that so we were sort of part of that and um yeah it was just it's you you kind of go you know there all there's all these high achievers that are working with the team but like you know nick's sort of motor is sort of unlike anything else i think does he have around. a special diet to maintain this energy like mm, i think he's just like no. that oh yeah. wow no, no, no. Yeah, he feels like largely i mean i've only hung out with him a few times before that um at your birthday party and at some arkell shows but he feels like largely the same man he's just like and obviously philly's been you know a real success story this year they're on like a little bit of a, a dip right now as all teams do um but he's awesome man um and even like i don't know like it's kind of cool his place is awesome he's got like 
he's a, what I love about Nick is he's like kind of a real gearhead. Like he gets mm-hmm. excited. He, like, you know, I, I think we can say this. Yeah. He, has, he has Bob Dylan's piano. Mm-hmm. He has Bob Dylan's piano from Bob Dylan up to New York. He has this like amazing portrait of Bob playing the piano where Bob's wow. got his two little kids there. And he, Nick just has his piano, but he has, he has John Lee Hooker, like a guitar that John Lee Hooker used back in like the sixties. But he's not like, um, he's not an antique collector that's precious. He's like, Hey, here, just hands Sean, like John Lee Hooker's guitar. He's like, I oh, sit down. I'm you're sit- I'm just playing piano wow. on Bob Dylan's piano. And you're just kind of like, Oh, this is kind of the best type of music sort of like, uh, uh, like the sort of musician or like fandom and appreciation. Fandom and just like, it's like, Hey, like I have these cool things and it's like, let's play. And here's an acoustic. And then we, yeah, we made some music and it was like, it'd been a long time since I'd like jammed or played and it was just, it was awesome. And, yeah. and you know, I, I think we were saying on the last pod that Sean was kind of like, ah, oh, I got to learn some songs or whatever. But like Sean, once he settled in, like oh, was he great. was loving yes. it. Yeah. We, we, we brought a, we, we met a local Philly drummer, this guy, Marlon, who's a big Sixers fan. So he was, and he was great and he sang and everybody took turns. And, uh, but the funny thing is I was, cause I was just thinking about like, sort of like the integrity that Nick has just as, as a person and as a leader, and I'm like, what's the difference between Nick and I? It's like, well, there's one glaring difference. I would never drive somebody to the airport. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Nick insisted on driving us to the airport the, uh, to drop us off the next morning. Did he do it? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> like, like he was up waiting for us. He got the car warm. Like so, so weird. Yeah. Because at wild. a certain point, it's like, pay, just pay for an Uber. Like, I know. And he's like, no, I'll take you to the airport. I'm like, Nick, you don't need to. And then the next morning he's up ready to go. He's like, let's go. Wow. <laughs> it was great. Um, we should talk about actually going to the game. So like you said, mm-hmm. we got to the, 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 the arena early, like five 30. Actually, first we went to this one place and Max forgot his fucking ID. So we weren't going to be able to have a drink before the game. And then we had to sneak him a beer and you felt like a criminal. Like we forgot caught, we get kicked out by these Philly bouncers. Yeah. I Wait, they, you get ID'd when you ask for a beer? No, I think in certain bar in this one bar, you just needed a real ID. I had made it on my phone, but I didn't. It wasn't because they thought you just pull up your Wikipedia, right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So this was like, like, it's like, it's called something live. Xfinity live. Yeah. Mm. And it's like part, because in Philly, all of the uh, sports stadiums are in a a cluster. So it's like, you have where the Eagles play, you have the Sixers. I think the Phillies, are they in that cluster too? It's like kind of like a little sports sports grouping in this one part of town. Anyway, so we go to the arena and uh, we go through this cool sort of area that obviously is like whatever we give our name and it ends up being the tunnel. Like, you know, the tunnel walk and every every yeah. team has where these shoot the fits. So we go through and it's got these kind of like lights and we like walk. I, I don't watch a lot of like local Philly shit. So like Sean immediately knew this was the tunnel walk. So he's like, you know, I didn't know. I just thought it was like some glow <laughs> tunnel that you go through or whatever. And then Max is taking photos. I'm like, oh, I guess this is like the, the fit walk or whatever. So we get in this really nice woman greets us and we get these like family and friend badges and she gives us a tour of like where we're hanging out. And so we're in this family and friends room where everything is like, you know, obviously free. It's like they got meals, they got uh open bar and you're just kind of like, and there's like kids running around and like, I'm like, Oh, is this like, is this like an overflow room? Like maybe we're in this sort of second room, you know what? I don't know. But then you start kind of like, Oh no, I think we're in the main room where they have like a spot for the kids. And Anyway, this will come back. And also, if you later. see the, because we all had name tag like badges, yeah. Uh, yeah. lanyards, and and ours said like guest of M. Kerman. Yes. But if you could find the other guest of, oh, I never uh, thought like to do P. that. Reed. So it's like, oh, the guest of Paul Reed, yeah. Paul Paul, who's a player on the thing. So that's how you knew that. Yeah. Well, I was waiting for the bathroom at one point, and we were just all. I was making jokes with some dudes that were because it was a long lineup. So I'm just you know making jokes whatever. And this one like big guy. I can't remember what, I, I think I let some, what happened was somebody who had been waiting and like, sort of, it wasn't quite clear if you get this bathroom or if you, cause it was two lineups, but two yeah, bathrooms, yeah. And they might've been waiting longer. So then we let like the one guy go like me and this big guy. And then we let the girl go too. And I was like, that one was a little iffy, but it was the right thing to do. He was like, yeah, yeah it was the right thing to do. And I was like, who are you here with? He's like, uh, 
Bev. Pat Bev? I'm like, oh, Pat Bev. I love Pat Bev. I'm like, I'm a Raptors fan, though. And he said, our team doesn't have any dogs. He's like, <laughs> what do you think? I go, I don't think he was wrong. <laughs> and we're like having a laugh. Anyway, we go out to, and we sit courtside and former podcast, Tim Bontemps yes. comes by, daps up Max, uh, remembers me. We did dap it up. We're chatting. He's, you know, Tim's talking about, uh, you know, it's going to be a big game tonight, blah, blah, blah. New York, Philly. Also, what it, New York's only, I think, an hour drive from Philly or hour, 40, and a half, yeah. hour and a half. The arena was like half Knicks fans. It was crazy. It was a pretty cool atmosphere. But anyway, Bontemps is their big ESPN game. And we're talking about the quickly trade because the Raptors got quickly. And I'm like, I'm so excited. Uh, and he's like, yeah, he's like, I think you guys got like, I think he's going to have an ascension very much like Jalen Brunson on the Knicks. And I'm like, no, man, he's going to be maxi. And I'm, you know, I'm just being excited. And I think Tim would like, you just kind of nod a lot. He's like, mm, I don't think he's that athletic. Like he's actually <laughs> having a real conversation yeah. with me about this. Uh, so anyway, we're, that was great. And then yeah, and he's like, also, Brunson's like a perennial all-star yeah, now. He's like, what are you complaining about? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, what's with the weirdo? Totally. <laughs> and, uh, and then, so then, yeah, we end up going back to friends and family, grab a couple drinky poos, head up to our seats, whatever, which are great. They're like 13th row, mid-court, facing the benches. And then the game starts. Again, like, I'm mostly just, I'm living it through Sean's eyes. Mm. Did you feel that yeah, way sometimes? Yeah, of course. The whole time I was just thinking about Sean. Well, because, like, we're both hoops fans. We watch a lot of League Pass. Mm. We're like... You know, we're in the chat, like we're league fans, not just Raptors fans. So uh -huh. it's like, there's something to it for us. Mm -hmm. But through Sean's eyes, I was just so happy for him. And Derek, I, we can't say enough about Derek. Yeah. Cause like Derek's in his basketball chat. I know him. I've said hi to him. I think, I think I met him in person once before in our Kells show, but I only know him through our basketball chat. So to spend like, you know, I, I you spend 48 hours more than that, 72 mm -hmm. hours with a guy, two nights, three days with a guy, you get to know him well. And you don't, you never know, right? Like, cause me, you and Sean have been mm -hmm. on a million trips, bachelor trips. We know each other through and through. But Derek was just awesome. Fit right in. And and I knew that would be the case because Derek is such a great conversationalist, and as is you and Sean are. But uh, you guys didn't know each other, so you wouldn't have known no. that. But in my mind, I'm like, oh, this is a natural fit. And, and we got right in the nitty-gritty immediately. Oh, but life, breaking love, down life. But also, he's a laugher, so yeah. there's joke. Like, the jokes are flying. We're breaking down life. Fucking amazing musician, unsurprisingly. Yeah. So it's like in the jam, you just... Like, it's funny with a jam because it's like, say you have a song like, I don't know, like The Weight, right? It's like, oh, I know all the chords to The Weight. I can play The Weight on chords. But there's little bits, right? Like, little licks mm -hmm. and stuff. Yeah. Derek is like the perfect glue guy because yeah. he just knows the licks to everything. Or you get to like the solo in like Champagne Supernova and he just knows it. And it's like, wow, that's the guy you need in a jam because oh, it makes it feel less than just us all playing the chords. And it's funny because I think Nick leans on me a little bit in in jam situations just to be the a bit of the conductor yes to be like okay here's the next song we're going to play here's who's going to sing i'll count it in like someone just needs to be yeah. that guy but i can't play any of those licks yeah. but that's why i need Derek. you know yes. what i mean like i need my guy to hold it together because it does not sound nearly as good if it's if it's just me barking things out who are like, the singers uh i sang marlon the drummer sang matt from Android sang a bit yeah. Didn't Mike sing? And Mike, Mike, a, and Mike a sang a couple of aces and Nick, yep. Nick sang. We all sang. Yep. We all sang. Derek Are you nervous Nick at sang? all? No. Because what, okay. what you realize is it doesn't feel any different. Once, I, one, I don't get much nervous about anything these days. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, I think you said this years ago with work. It was like, oh, I have a kid. Like, I don't. Yeah, stakes seem lower. Stakes are much right? lower. Yeah. And like, as far as like, I've met Nick before and guys are just jamming. It doesn't yeah. change much. You no. know what I mean? And it's just like, you sing it, you have a laugh and you keep it moving. And it's like, um, you see, speaking of kids, uh, at the beginning of the trip, Mike is like, I'm a time millionaire right now. I have so much time. I've, <laughs> I've never heard him say that yeah. before. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I have nothing but time. I'm a time millionaire right yeah. now. So anyway, the game ends, we go back to the friends and family room and, we're, and, we're, and Nick is going to drive us back to his place. So, um, and 
there's a couple TVs on and I figured out how to work the remote and the Raptors game starts that late. It's awesome. the Sacramento King, uh, Toronto game. So the, the room starts to slowly clear out and it just, and eventually it's just the three of us in this empty room, the staff of all going home. There's no more drinks. There's no anything. So we're watching well, before the, that, before yeah. that. So we're sitting in the friends and family room after the game now, and we're kind of just hanging. This is kind of like a little living room area. It's really nice. And Max gets the raps game on, which is on the West coast. So it was perfect timing. And we're kind of just chilling and they still got some diet Cokes and stuff, but the drinks have been stopping served. And there's still some little kids running around. And at that point it's like Nick Batum walks by. And then who walks by? Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid. Oh, wow. To go like, talk to get him? his kids. No, he just kind of walked by like our little area. Maybe he peeked over, saw we were watching the raps, just kept him moving and went and grabbed like whatever. I think he's got a, like, one kid. I don't know. Wow. But I, and, you, know, I, you know, like that, we just were in the living room. But it's like, oh, the, all the players, kids and wives, we're actually hanging out in here. And these guys, they finish their job and they come and they get their families and they go home or whatever. But then it was kind of just us as we were waiting for Nick. So we're waiting oh, for Nick. Wait, actually, do you remember this point? <laughs> what? Where we're sitting there and it's like, it's been the best weekend. And I was a time millionaire like two hours before. <laughs> yes, and I see there's this one like really cute little girl. And like I uh, like her dad or her uncle is like, he's like, come on. And she's like, no, I want to play. And she's like dancing or whatever. He's like, come on. And then she kind of comes toggling up to him. And I was just sitting there like after this amazing weekend, really good buzz on the free beer. And I was just like. I really miss my kids. No. <laughs> this is like the moment where I miss my kids or whatever. Yeah. And then we start watching the raps thing. But then Mike's bank account uh, realized that it's dwindling right now. Yeah. His time millionaire oh, bank yeah. account. And then he turns, right? And then he yeah. goes, Maxie, do you think we should just go downtown to a bar? We should probably go to a bar. We can watch the end of King King. I'm like, ah, you know, I think Nick wants to drive us home. I just, I don't know if we should be rolling in like two in the morning. He's like, okay. And then like 20 minutes pass. And he's like, and the bank account is just dwindling, dwindling, yeah. dwindling. We should, we should go we should go to a bar just because mike is like i after tonight i am in it for the next like oh, you're month. broke yeah you're broke. <laughs> you're time you're broke. Know, it's like not only like are you like back in dad mode but you have you two i should say have the busiest possible month it's ahead crazy. of you mm. there's not an, a minute to spare no so i can just see the math going on in mike's head being like i need to squeeze every drop out of this trip i need to you know <laughs> so but i'm like mike mike like, like let's just you know anyway Nick eventually comes around. I like, think the way I framed it was, yeah. was <laughs> just to be sure, just to be sure. Would it be, cause we hadn't been down to downtown Philly at all. Yeah. It was yeah. basically we were only at Nick's. I'm mm -hmm. like, and Derek had never been to Philly. I'm clearly just justifying. <laughs> justifying. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> would it, just, 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 just to put it out there one more time. Like we aren't Philly. We haven't gone downtown yet. We haven't done anything. We haven't gone to Sean's favorite dive bar, Bob and Barbara's. Uh, <laughs> in service of Sean, in service yeah. of Derek. I'm like, in service what do we think? And Nick's like, ah, he's like, or Max is like, ah, we probably do this. And I was like, you're right. You're, you're right. You're right. But which, which, uh, and I didn't mean to be the guy stifling the fun. No, you were right. Up, you framed it awesomely. Yeah. Though. But I was like, you know what? I was like, Mike, I think it'll be great because how often do we have a chance to ride back with a head coach of an NBA team after a game. Yeah. That experience of just being able to talk to him about what happened in the game, what worked, Priceless. what didn't work. Like no, no one has access to that. No documentary film crew really does. Cause you know, there'd be a level of candor that wouldn't be there. The press doesn't have that. Nobody has it. Let's so, hear it. How'd it go? Yeah, well, it was exactly <laughs> as cool as you'd imagine because like we, you know, we, we drove home with him and it was probably like a 25 minute car. And then what happened was, so we get home, we talk about the game and there's four minutes left in the Raptors game. So we're like, let's it was throw it on. like the fourth quarter. It was it almost was like, quarter. yeah, it was like the whole fourth quarter. It was, it was the whole great. fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah. And so and we ended up just watching the game with Nick. And Nick, watching a, an NBA game with a head coach who's like locked in and predicting the play calls and talking about what call was good and what was not, like was so fascinating. It might have been my favorite part of yeah. the weekend when I thought about it afterwards yeah. was that fourth quarter watching the raps and his insights and us getting into it. And it came down to like the last possession. So it was a great, they came back from 20 down. It was a really, really, really 
that was like a sweet spot of the trip, I think. Yeah. And then anyway, and then the next morning we're, we're getting up to go to the airport and Nick's driving us there. And Mike goes, Max, good call. I'm, I'm not hungover. I'm feeling amazing. We had the amazing <laughs> hang with Nick after the game. Great work. So I felt good. It's true. hundred percent true. Uh, all right. Well, it's, uh, this is a good, it's a good episode. And I think um, the theme of this episode was sort of about like staying young, youthful vigor. You know, Nick Nurse didn't, uh, you know, achieve a championship until yeah. he was 50. Yeah. He, was, yeah. he, he was working hard for so long. And now he's never jamming, too never too late. The takeaway is collect experiences. Yeah. Because these are the things, whether you're Bert and sort of the extraordinary things he did uh, mm-hmm. before and after he met Shane, or you're sort of Nick Nurse living yeah. this wild life, or the rest of us sort of just trying to find our own experiences, uh, do as much as you can. Mm-hmm. And if some weird guy pulls up to you and asks you for a lift, <laughs> say yes. <laughs> get, get in. <laughs> That's it. That's all. That's our episode. And one last thing before we go, as I'm saying my thank yous, we got to say Happy birthday to Manager Ash. Yes. It's not your birthday today. No, but oh, we're but just happy, saying it because we haven't, belated. We haven't yes. seen you in person since. Mm-hmm. Uh, so happy birthday. How was that night, by the way? Just quickly. Lovely. Big snowfall. Big snowfall. Did you guys go hard? Did you party? Of course. No, I don't know. <laughs> Let's wrap it up. <laughs> okay. That's where it'll be for another podcast. Thank you so much to Nathan Nash for everything he does. Thank you so much to Manager Ash for all she does. And happy birthday. Uh, guys, it was a great hang. Maybe the best. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.